Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. I'm your host, Naja Brown, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you would hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and we can be reached through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Today we're going to talk about Passover, a night to be much observed. And Passover, or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, began yesterday, April 10th, Monday evening, and will end the evening of Tuesday, April 18th. So what is the celebration all about? That's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to read from Exodus, the book of Exodus. We're going to look at a few verses in chapters 11 and 12. And just bear me with me. There's going to be a little bit more reading than normally, but I've got to set the stage and the foundation for uh, the rest of the, the discussion. So in Exodus chapter 11, verses 3 through 7, this is what it says. Verse 3, And the Lord gave the people favor at the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Verse 6 says, Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt. Such was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. Then verse 7 says, But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So there we have... uh, Moses giving an account of what God is preparing to do, and this has a lot to do with the plagues that were sent, um, on, were, were waged against Pharaoh in the land of Egypt as they refused to let God's people go. So the Israelites were there in Egypt, and their numbers had grown, and Pharaoh became very nervous, and Moses was begging him to let his people go, and Pharaoh refused to. So God is staging now uh, what he's going to do with the last plague against Pharaoh and his land, the land of Egypt. So in Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 through 7, this is what we have. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. 
verse 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Verse 6 says, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And verse 7 says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. So here we have instruction again. So they're to take a lamb and they're to kill it. The lamb has to be without blemish. They're going to kill it, and then they're going to put the blood on the two doorposts and the lintel where they eat this lamb. And then in Exodus chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 17, this is what it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And verse 14 says, So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast for an everlasting ordinance. Verse 15 says, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your house. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Verse 16 says, Oh, excuse me, on the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them. But that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. Verse 17 says, So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. There you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. And then we're going to read verses 26 and 27 of chapter 12. 26 says, And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, this is verse 27, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. So there we have an account of the Passover and what the Lord told them to do with the Passover. They were to observe it and keep it as, a, as an ordinance, and they were to observe it um, uh, throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. So I want to talk about Passover, and I want to talk about a very significant dinner that takes place during Passover. So my home congregation hosted a Passover Seder dinner on Saturday, April 8th. And I must, I must say that each time I attend one of these, I am more and more enlightened. I mentioned in the promotional material for this podcast that I first attended a Passover Seder probably about 20 years ago. 
And at that time, I was thoroughly confused because I thought the Passover celebration was just for Jewish people only. Then maybe 10 years later, I had the opportunity to attend another Seder, and that meaning became, or that opportunity and the, and the meaning and how things unfolded became more and more clear to me that Christ is the Passover lamb, and Christians, too, can partake in this blessed festival. So let me set the stage for the dinner. It was very, very, uh, very enlightening. I, I, I really can't even come up with the right word, but it was just uh, its a wonderful experience. So there's a plate that is center stage. So you're seated at a table, and there's a plate that's center stage, and, and the focus is on this plate, and then there's a ritual that goes along with it. But this plate contains, um, I'm going to describe to you what the symbols are, and each of these symbols has a very significant meaning and plays a critical part in the Seder dinner. So on this plate there are bitter herbs, and the bitter herbs symbolize the bitterness of Israel's bondage. There's also a shank bone of lamb, and sometimes there could be actually a lamb, some lamb meat on the, on the, uh, the plate. But that's symbolic of the sacrificial lamb. And then there's a hard-boiled egg, and that shows new life and hope of resurrection. There's also this sweet mixture of chopped fruits and, and nuts, and that reminds us of the mortar that was used for making bricks. When the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt, they, were make, they made bricks. And so this, this mixture reminds us of the mortar that they used to make bricks. And then also on the table and part of the ceremony are four glasses of wine, or if you're a non-drinker, non-alcoholic drinker, you can use grape juice. And these four cups have uh, a name and then a meaning also. So the first cup is the cup of sanctification. And for us Christians, sanctification or being set apart by Jesus Christ makes it a cup of thanksgiving. The second cup is the cup of plagues. We talked about the plagues that God sent to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, well, we know that Jesus drank the full cup, thus taking the plague of sin on himself. The third cup is the cup of redemption and or blessing. And Jesus' blood and the breaking of bread is fellowship. And we as Christians, we cover the doorpost of our heart with his blood. Now the children of Israel were instructed to put the doorposts, put the blood over the two doorposts and the lentils on the house so that they could uh, be identified and that God was going to pass over, that death angel was going to pass over and they would not have to uh, be subjected to the plague that was going to hit the land of, of Egypt and all the firstborn man and beast was going to be killed. The fourth cup is called the cup of completion and or praise. And we know Christ's death on the cross, it was finished. It is finished. And we can say that all praise to the worthy Lamb of God is due him forever. And then also there's unleavened bread, also called matzah. And it's on its own tray, and it's wrapped in a cloth or napkins. And there's three pieces, and they're broken up during this ritual and this ceremony. And the, the, the matzah bread, the unleavened bread, symbolizes righteousness. And the three pieces, the three pieces of matzah shows the Trinity. So I just described uh, the, the, this plate, that center stage. And as I described each of the items on the plate, 
it has a, a grave significance to the children of Israel. But if we look at it, it also has a very uh, definite significance to us as believers in Christ, as Christians today. So I don't want to spoil it for those who have never experienced the Passover Seder by describing the events of the Seder, but I do want to talk about the meaning for believers in Christ. If you haven't attended a Passover Seder, do so. And if not this year, then I would encourage you to look for one and try to attend next year. So I'm going to make a statement, a very profound statement, and that is that Christ is the Passover Lamb. He is without spot or blemish. And at the end of his trial, Pilate's own words were, I find no fault in this man. Christ was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and none of his bones were broken. In John 1.29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 7, it says, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. And we read in Exodus where they were told to eat unleavened bread for seven days. And if anyone was caught eating anything other than uh, unleavened bread, then they were to be cut off. So leaven has, um, it kind of uh, symbolizes um, sin. And we know that if you've ever seen uh, your grandmother or maybe your mother make bread and put yeast in it, it causes the, the bread to rise. Well, sin spreads. If you allow it to go unchecked, it spreads. So you've got to, uh, to remove it, and that's what the children of Israel were told to do. And this is what 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 7 are saying. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And then in First Peter one, chapters, uh, excuse me, chapter one, verses eighteen through nineteen, it says, "Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers," verse nineteen says, "But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish or without spot." And then Hebrews 9.22 says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. There is no cancellation. And so there we have it. Christ is the Passover lamb. So you see Passover is a type of Christ, our Redeemer, and the feast type of typified Christ the bread of life, answering to the Last Supper. The believer in Christ is saved by the blood of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and is strengthened daily by feasting on the Word, the living Word, Christ, and the written Word, Scriptures. So in conclusion, 
Christ is our Passover, the Lamb of God, who shed his blood for our remission. So he, the, the sacrificial system is no longer needed, uh, but the sacrificial system only worked with the, uh, the, the pouring out of or the, or the shedding of the, of the blood of the animals. And the lamb usually had to be without spot or blemish. So we know that Christ without, was without spot or blemish. So he is our Passover, the Lamb of God, and he did shed his blood for our remission. He was the ultimate, once and for all, sacrificial lamb. There are no more sacrifices available. And as believers in Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, his death, burial, and resurrection has now allowed us to pass over, to pass from death to eternal life. And as we approach our upcoming Good Friday and Resurrection Day, I just want to remind us that he is risen He is risen indeed. May you have a blessed upcoming Friday and Resurrection Day and truly reflect, truly reflect on the work of Christ, the shedded blood of Christ. You know, even as the Lord kept watch over the blood-protected homes of the children of Israel on the first Passover, they in turn were to keep watch on each annual Passover night of remembrance. We Christians, too, can celebrate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because it's the power of the resurrection that allows us to be delivered from the plague of death. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to say God bless you. Happy Resurrection Day. And remember that he is risen. He is risen indeed.